food is very personal. Very. There's emotions. There's, you know, we grew up with, there's culture, you know, there's that recipe that mom, grandma, and great grandma made that's been passed down. And then suddenly people are like, you're going to go vegan. And then they're like, how am I going to eat that recipe? Well, guess what? We can veganize it. <laughs> it might be better. <laughs> you know, vegan doesn't equate healthy, just so people understand. It doesn't mean that the food is healthy. That's right. It just means that you haven't sacrificed animals to eat it <laughs> and you're saving the planet by eating that. However, I think it was Dr. Kim Williams that said at a Peapod conference, the standard American diet is horrible for you, but a junk food vegan diet is just as horrible. Mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, I th- that is definitely something that needs to be understood and demystified that you don't want to swap the standard American diet for the standard American vegan diet. And it's gonna, it's super important that people have that education and that understanding that there are a lot of things that are vegan that are unhealthy. So if it's for ethical reasons, the planet, planet and the animals, absolutely, you're definitely making a difference. But if it's for personal health, you do want to have a whole food plant-based diet, eating whole foods, actually eating plants, eliminating all of that fried food, processed food, junk food, sugar, oil, you know. So there are definitely levels, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of those vegan substitutes are made for meat eaters to help them, you know, um, slowly make the, the change and to mimic the taste of meat. But if you're someone who's already vegan, really prioritizing whole food is the way to go. Just because someone can live with a disease doesn't mean they should. The overwhelming majority of prescriptions written today are written to treat lifestyle disease. Lifestyle disease is defined as conditions which can be attributed to the way in which a person lives. This includes things like physical activity, drinking, smoking, stress, the quality of our social connections, sleep, purposeful and professional alignment, and of course, our diet. But what if there was an alternative? What if before putting pen to pad, we had a comprehensive solution in lieu of pills and procedures? You are listening to the Plant Protocol Podcast for current and aspiring health professionals who are done with simply managing chronic lifestyle challenges and are interested in taking a whole food plant-based approach to combating them. I'm your host, Lisa A. Smith. It's time to come get this health. Before we go any further, please note the information in this episode is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content contained in this episode is for informational and educational purposes only. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? I recently had the pleasure of sitting down in conversation with Helene of VegFest Expos and Virtual VegFest Live And I wanted to share the replay of that conversation with you. Helene asked me some great questions and we got into a really good discussion about the inequities in healthcare for people of color, the inequities in the health coaching space for coaches of color. We talked about the power of plants and the impact on chronic lifestyle disease. And then I really got into mindset as well. And so we talked a lot about what it takes to run a successful coaching business, my passion with running the plant protocol. So I think there's going to be a ton of value in this episode for you. So get your pen and pad ready, perk up your ears, get ready to get a ton of nuggets during this episode and make sure afterwards you leave a review if it resonated with you. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to Virtual Veg Fest Live with Helene. It's been 
a long time since I've done one of these. Super happy to be here and having an amazing guest, which is Lisa Angel Smith, and she created, founded the Plant Protocol. As always, if you are watching on YouTube or if you like YouTube, go to YouTube, follow Virtual Veg Fest Live, and hit the notification bell so you know when we go live, like at a 2 p.m. on a Thursday, <laughs> which we haven't done in a while. And let's see. And if you have any comments or questions, we'd love for you to be part of the show. So put them in the little box and join us. And let me go and grab Lisa. Well, hello. How are you? I am well, Helene. How are you? I am doing great. I really haven't done one of these in a while. We do go live with the vegan stew on Wednesdays. We've taken the month of August off because I can't do any Wednesday in August this month. (laughs) I'm that busy. So we just went with, we'll just start up again in September. But as for me going live, I started this during COVID and realized how many people I know in the vegan plant-based world Mm -hmm. and said, hey, do you want to come and talk with me? And they were like, sure. <laughs> so on Virtual Veg Rest Live, there's like 150 plus of these. Yeah. Nice. And now you're part of that, which is amazing. Yes, it is. I am excited to get to know you because you are not someone I know personally. We yeah. met three minutes ago. So I get to learn along with everybody else on what you've created yep. and who you are. And now I'm going to throw it at you. So tell me, who are you? Yes. Thank you so much. And it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me as you're coming off your hiatus. My name is Lisa A. Smith. I'm a plant-based health and business coach. So I created my own plant-based coaching program called Farm to Table back in 2016. And so for the past five or six years, I've been facilitating that plant-based coaching program where we specialize in helping individuals with chronic lifestyle disease adopt a plant-based lifestyle to combat them. And then what happened just naturally, because when you solve one problem, you create another in business is that a lot of our students became super interested in coaching themselves. So then in 2021, I created the Plant Protocol, Plant-Based Coaching Certification, uh, which is the first to be founded by a person of color and which really prioritizes the unique challenges that people of color face when they are adopting this lifestyle. And so now I'm a plant-based business coach um, and I help plant-based vegans package their passion into a health coaching business. That's amazing. I think it's one of those things where, again, for you, it sounds like from COVID, mm-hmm. you pivoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were, Farm to Table was born years before COVID. When COVID hit, we went 100% virtual online. So we didn't stop anything. We didn't have any delay in business. It actually grew during COVID for obvious reasons, health, more focused on health. Yep. But in 2021, you know, with just the constant demand of people wanting to learn more on how to coach this content, how to teach to this content. I created the plant protocol, but it was under construction. Like it was already a plan before COVID because I was just getting pulled in that way. And, you know, there's just so many people battling health challenges and we need to multiply significantly the the number of coaches of color who are in the space because Black Americans are the fastest demographic, growing demographic of vegans in the U.S. And so we absolutely need more diversity, equity, and inclusion in the plant-based coaching space. So I just really wanted to solve that problem. That's really cool. Because one of the things I say to people, we always try to have, when we have education at our festivals, we always try to have a diverse lineup of people and topics. Mm. And part of that reasoning is in some of our cities like Atlanta, our populations are incredibly diverse. Yes. So the last thing I want to do is take a 
Caucasian doctor and put him in front of a room of people of color and say, hey, learn from him. Mm -hmm. He hasn't lived your life. He doesn't have the same genetics that you have. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to me. Like last year we had Dr. Milton Mills come and stand in front of a room because I feel, and this is probably for any group on the planet, we tend to relate to those who are like us better than we relate to someone who isn't. Now you can, of course you can learn. And you, I've learned tons from Milton Mills, Yes, you know, but when you're sitting there saying, change your diet, this is what's impacting you. This is what is happening to you because of how you were raised, how the foods that you're eating as your lifestyle and your culture. And this is what it's doing to you. It's yes. much easier to hear from someone who has got the same background. That's right. That's a hundred percent right, Helene. It's so necessary. We operate when and we feel more comfortable being transparent and vulnerable and open. We are being provided care and services from people who we feel like we can relate to, whether it's a healthcare provider or a doctor or a nurse, because there's a very small percentage of you as doctors who are doctors of color, or if it's a health coach. And so we really want to help to bridge that gap and even create collaborative care models with healthcare providers who predominantly serve marginalized communities, right? So even if we can't get you know, a, a black doctor or a black nurse, can we get a health coach in that facility that's partnered with that doctor to make sure that culturally relevant information is being provided? I always think about Serena Williams, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she's pregnant again. So I just watched her YouTube about the baby yep. uh, announcement of the birth of the, not the birth of the sex of the baby, which is very cool what her husband did. But if you don't know, her first daughter, which I guess is seven years. It's been a, a hot minute. When she was in the hospital after giving birth, something was wrong. And they ignored her. Yep. They ignored Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. You don't ignore Serena Williams. She said, something's wrong. Something's wrong with my body. And she advocated for herself because if she hadn't, she would have died. That's right. Because there was a problem and they weren't taking her seriously. Now, she is a person of color. However, she could just be female <laughs> because both of those happen. And then you can person of color and female. And it didn't matter that she was famous. Nope. It's far too common. I remember um, I used to be the executive director of a nonprofit called Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group, PBNSG. And I was executive director during COVID. And it was right around, you know, George Floyd and all the unrest, civil unrest. And so I wrote an open letter to our community, which was thousands and thousands of of people. In that letter, I talked about specifically the infant mortality rate in our country and this condition called weathering, which states that, you know, people of color tend to have a lower life expectancy because of the lived experience of being Black in America. And, you know, I actually got replies specifically from one doctor who completely negated the fact that the infant mortality rate had anything to do with bias and racism and discrimination. It's just like, well, maybe they just do this. Maybe their babies die more because of this. And I'm like, no, it's, if you don't believe that racism and bias and even, you know, sexism still exists, it's like, what planet are you living on? And so, you know, I was just, I remember being so frustrated. Like, I cannot believe there's people who believe we're, we're living in this completely equal, unbiased, I don't see color society. We're just not. 
So for those reasons, to just kind of speaking to your point, you're absolutely right. You know, it's necessary to keep in mind, like even it doesn't matter that you're a celebrity, right? You people see color, people see sex, people see sexual orientation and there's judgment and there's, you know, bias and bias is not always known to us. You know, bias is just naturally as humans and they can be a safety measure. The bias is not always bad, but you know, it does impact people of color's health in this country. We, I, I was just looking at this data a couple of days ago where the infant mortality rate is about uh, four out of a thousand for white women and it's 10 out of a thousand for black women. So double, twice the amount of, uh, of our babies die. And then the number is higher too for the amount of moms that die during childbirth for those reasons. So yeah, it's really sad, but it is something that we cannot ignore. No, the only people that believe that we live in a world that has no racism and everyone is equal on the same footing is a world where they actually want to be above everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like you see nothing wrong because it doesn't impact you. That's right. And that's right. exactly the definition of privilege. You don't need know, you don't recognize you have it. <laughs> it's super scary, like yeah. super scary. Just dealing with it. I am on the board of my HOA in my community and there are two men to white men on the board. And I can't stand them because they have that, I call it Trumpism. I call it, you know, well, this is a problem and this is a problem, but they do the, well, what about ism? And I'm just like, you know, we can have two problems. One doesn't trump the other. <laughs> they could be equal. <laughs> One could be greater than the other, yeah. but either way we have to do something about it. Absolutely. And just because it's, I did, it's a NIMBY thing too, not in my backyard, but it's in the community. <laughs> I'm like, I've had to, through text message, stop the bullying. I was mm. like, don't, you're not able to bully me. I'm going to put you in your place, which people do not like, Mm-mm. no matter what. Yep. They don't like it. And here we are, we living in a world where, you're right, people of color have non-white people it's not just people of color non-white people mm-hmm. have a higher risk of diseases and not being listened to mm-hmm. and then you can go into like well, then we go we're women <laughs> yeah so that's the problem and then you've, you've got the lbgtq yeah. right, community onto trans oh we have problems and i don't know how to solve them but you know talking we can stay we, we can talk about that for days but staying with health and what you're doing with health coaching for your community, yeah. how is that going? How many people have signed up? Because I'm, I was just looking at it. It is not just a like, like a wham bam thank you ma'am course. It seems like it's intense. Yeah. Oh, it is intense, and it's very intentionally intense. So we should probably make that public knowledge before anybody applies because we take it very serious. So the plant protocol is a year-long plant-based coaching certification. So you'll be working with us for a minimum of a year. Over 80% of our student body has opted to stay longer than a year. So they're averaging about two years in the community. And we prioritize three primary things, which most other plant-based coaching certifications do not. And we prioritize these things equally, which is first, nutrition and lifestyle science. Obviously, you have to know your stuff. You have to develop mastery in your specific lane. Then we also prioritize identity, which is a huge factor specifically around coaches of color because we haven't seen much of ourselves on the stages at the Veg Fest, you know, at the summits, you know, online writing the books. 
we a lot of times don't feel qualified. And what's interesting, Helene, is like this was an obstacle that I didn't even know would be a thing. I didn't know so many of us would show up with like, I'm not enough syndrome, imposter syndrome. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not qualified. I'm scared to put myself out there. And so we highly prioritize personal development work inside of the certification for that reason. We have a whole phase. Phase two is completely dedicated to the identity of the coach and helping them work through their limiting beliefs. And then we also prioritize coaching in and of itself. You know, teaching is not coaching. So if you go through a certification and you only learn nutrition and lifestyle science, it's not enough to make you a really effective coach. So you have to understand that there's a difference between teaching somebody something and coaching them through their resistance that they feel when it's time to apply what you taught them. And then the final thing that we prioritize at a high level is business acumen. So when I got certified in plant-based nutrition, I was confident that a plant-based vegan lifestyle was the way to go for optimal health, for longevity. But I didn't know how I get a client. Like I didn't know how to market myself, how to price an offer, how to package an offer. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so we've also put that inside of the plant protocol in phase three. Our students actually learn business acumen, like because they come in with the passion, which you can't find anywhere. So you got to come in with the passion and then we can fill in the gaps. And one of those major gaps for a lot of our coaches is I've never had a business before. I have no idea how to market, how to sell. I have no idea how to leverage speaking engagements because that's one of the first things they usually start getting is speaking engagements when they start deploying our process. And so we teach them the business side of coaching, which is exceptionally important, just as much as knowing the science and the nutrition and all of that, because that happens after you got the client, right? So you prepare for after you got the client. But if you never got a client, what was the point? And so we are really, really proud. I'm really proud of the curriculum I've developed over at the Plant Protocol and I'm really confident that in the next several years, we're going to capture a big piece of the market share as far as plant-based coaching certifications go, because we house all of those skill sets in one container versus people having to go one here to learn nutrition science, then go over here to learn how to run a business and then go over here to learn how to be a coach. And so we have, we've encompassed it all in one place. And that's why they stay so long for mastery. And so I'm really proud of what we've, we've created. That's really cool. So the business piece yes, is <laughs> we saw a lot of people like as COVID hit and learning how to pivot, right? Yes. I learned that some of my vegan businesses were not going to make it <laughs> because I'd say, what are you going to do? And they'd say, I'm just going to write it out. Writing it out was two plus years. And yep. I was like, this is not a month. This, this is not going to be over next month. This is something where if you want your business to, to survive, you have to be thinking outside a huge box because we're in pandemicville and it's not never happened before. And for some people it worked out great, like pivoting to online or being online and especially being online and being health minded. It was the space to be in so much so that I have found going back to in-person events that people don't want to sit and listen to people educate them anymore. Mm. They just want food. <laughs> they always want food. You know, Asheville is one of our, is our largest festival in Asheville, North Carolina. And it's always been a, a city that loves education, loves, loves, loves it. Wow. Let me say, last year, nobody came to hear our speaker speak. You know where they hung out? They hung out by the live music and the food. <laughs> and I said, that's very telling to me. But also, I sit and think about the fact that people literally sat in front of their computers for two years and absorbed. To the point where they didn't want to be on their computers anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm zoomed out. 
I'm computered out. Just get me away from the computer. Yep. It didn't happen to me. <laughs> I was all like, let's do Zoom. I don't want to meet in person. <laughs> so I'm still good with this. But that's my introverted self. I'm home. I'm happy. <laughs> I don't want to go to a meeting. So, yeah. but for the extroverts, it was painful. So I find that, have you found that? I mean, you're out there speaking to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that people are engaging again with people in person to hear them speak and they're, they're not still like, oh, I've already learned all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I am finding that people are engaging, but I do agree in what you're saying and that there was a very significant period where we just needed to re-socialize, right? We just <laughs> needed to reconnect, you know, like you said, for the extroverts and the people who like need that to energize them. There was a period where it was like, don't send me another virtual meeting link, right? However, what we've done inside the plant protocol, which is a 100% virtual program, so you can enroll from anywhere in the world, we've definitely did a kind of a hybrid situation. So the first is that we're not a self-guided course. So you don't get educated through a bunch of pre-recorded content and you never talk to anybody. So we're actually a group coaching program. So it's kind of a hybrid, meaning the curriculum is housed in a portal that you have 24-hour access to. But then you actually end the live classroom with me via Zoom two times out of the month, right? So you get that in-person experience. And I'm very intentional about the way I curate our in-person classes, making them interactive, engaging. We do workshops, sometimes breakout rooms. Like you have to be present to really, it's not just me talking to our students for an hour and a half. And so very intentional about the way we curate our live classes. And then the final thing is like this year, we introduced the in-person experience where once a year, all of our coaches meet up, we convene somewhere. This year, we went to Portland, Oregon, the vegan capital of the U.S. So we went to Portland, Oregon this year for our in-person event. And so now we have that annual event that our students can look forward to in order to continue to get to know each other, meet each other in person that we've been seeing, you know, from the waist up for a year. (laughs) And so I agree, there needs to be a nice blend because people do love the flexibility of virtual and Zoom and all of that is just so super convenient. But then also that I think that in-person, especially with a program like ours, that is a year long. I mean, when they say they really get to know one another, they're making friends, they're becoming accountability partners. Like our community is phenomenal. We have the best plant-based coaching community in the marketplace. It's just phenomenal. And it's partly because it's curated. So you have to apply to get in. So you can't just pay and you're in like other certifications. And so because I vet and interview every single coach, I make sure that they're going to be a good fit for the community and that we can be a good fit for them. And so because of that, we have a really, really, really good close-knit community. So that in-person experience once a year is absolutely necessary and it's game-changing. So, well, one, everyone had to put pants on. (laughs) Right. So, because you don't know what I'm wearing. The pants are back. The pants are back, Kayleen. Right. So, am I wearing pants right now? You'll never know. I don't know. <laughs> so, it's really funny. It's, I mean, that was some of the fun of what happened over the COVID years. People would get caught naked, you know, people, their spouses would go like, on the Zoom, which is really comical. But <laughs> to get back on track, that I agree. Meeting in person. This isn't just a like, okay, thanks. I learned something. Exactly. When you're, you're coaching each other. Yes. Because how else do you learn? And everybody needs coaching. (laughs) And not just in the sense of learning your program, but just everybody needs that person or people to 
run those things off of. That's it. Even to like just uh, sign up for your program. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you think this is a good fit for me? You know, like that type of thing. And then you go through it and I'm sure over a year, there are people who are like, why did I do this? (laughs) (laughs) And then they, they talk to the other coaches and they figure out, well, here's why you did it because they're there observing you while you're observing them, which is incredibly interesting to me. How many people are like in a class? Yeah. Well, right now we have about 27 coaches actively in the community. We have the two that signed that are starting in September. And so they are, you know, every are we meet in person, well, virtually live every first and third Wednesday of the month. And so, you know, they all come on and sometimes they can't make it to class and that's fine. Um, our recordings are uploaded into their portal. And so they really, you know, have the opportunity to really meet each other and convene and get to know each other. And then we have a private, you know, Facebook community that they are required to be a part of. It's not optional. So that's part of the community as as well. I think actually the biggest compliment that we get from all of our coaches inside of the plant protocol is by far the community, 100%. Like, I'm so proud of that compliment, but I'm also not surprised because I was very intentional from day one. Like I do not want a long as I can afford and I'm joining community. I've been very intentional that there's qualifiers to get in the program. If you're not qualified, we tell you you're not ready. And so the intentionality that's been put behind building this community has been insane because business in and of itself is can be really tough. You know, a plant-based coaching business where you have to put yourself out there because coaching is a contact sport. So you got to really like build relationships with other humans to help them. And so that can be also vulnerable as well. You know, sometimes people are insecure about their own health journey. Like, what is, what is it going to look like if I'm, you know, still dabbling in the vegan junk food, right? So there's so <laughs> many things that come up around identity that you need a community support to address, right? And so the community has been crazy. And then I, besides curating it with qualifiers and interviews and all this applications that you have to go through to get in, I also do community building activities virtually and in the Facebook group and just really get them thinking outside of the box and and talking to them directly and reading their minds when I feel the energy and the morale dropping, right? And so you, you need a good leader that can have a pulse on what do the people that I'm serving need from me right now? And that's really, really important. So I prioritize our current coaches first. I'm not like, once you get in the program, I've done my job and good luck. You know, no, no, no. The entire year plus that you're with me, you feel my presence. You know that I care about your success. You know that my team cares about your success. And so that's really important. And I think that's why over 80% of our coaches stay longer than a year. What was I going to ask you? Do you ever sleep? <laughs> you are, I love I love the left field. Uh, <laughs> I do sleep because... I can't like do this and not be taking care of my health, man. Like I got to eat these plants. I got to drink this water. I got to get this sleep. I exercise. I meditate every day. And what you said earlier about we all need coaches. I have two. So I'm in two masterminds myself personally. So I got to attend those meetings and get coached (laughs) myself because I'm going to practice what I preach. If I tell everybody just like you, people need coaches. I got to have me a coach. And so I do sleep and I prioritize my health first and foremost because I like to be an example. So I'm I'm very good at time blocking, task management, time management, really, you know, owning that so I'm not all over the places so that I'm not burnt out. 
but it did it take some work and some practice. Yes, I've been an entrepreneur since 2015. So it has definitely evolved. So I didn't used to sleep, Helene, but I do now. <laughs> we have a similar journey. <laughs> it's people always ask, we do 10 veg fests in a year. And yeah, so let me say, Jeremy, this is recorded. It'll be on YouTube. So you can watch it from the beginning to the end and over and over and share it. Yay. So we do 10 vegan festivals in five states. So I get that question often. Like, yeah. do you, you're welcome, Jeremy. Do you, <laughs> yes, I sleep. I could do this without sleep. In the early years, I didn't sleep. I would be up sending emails to vendors at like four o'clock in the morning because you just, everything was like paper and pencil. <laughs> I can't do this with papers and pencils. I have systems, I have technology. I have things that I pay for to make my life easier so I can sleep. Yep. Because if I don't sleep, I can't do this. That's right. And also it's a priority, a priority every single day to do something for you, to take Amen. time for you Amen. every day. So you are an amazing example for your coaches and for everyone who's listening or watching, whoever watches this, an amazing example we both are of, you can do this, you can be successful. It sounds like we have no time, but we do. We do. <laughs> Sometimes we have no time, yeah, <laughs> but we, yeah. when we do have time, we, we absorb that and we take that in. I don't always have to be doing something. Some people might say that's not true because I pack our schedule pretty darn packed. <laughs> However, I don't do every single thing we want because my saying right now is if I did everything, if I added to the schedule this fall, the things that I want to add to the schedule, Steve, would kill me because we'd never be home. Wow. So I'm balancing that. Well, we just won't do that yep. That's <laughs> with right. all the other stuff that we're doing. Yeah. And then when we're home, it's we're home. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Being where your feet are. You know, I love that you, you articulated that because that's what task management is. I think by the time you have to get to like this hurried time management, it's already too late. Time management is you trying to figure out how to fit in everything you've already said yes to. But task management is controlling when you say yes, right? And so I love the fact that you just said, if I wanted to do everything I wanted to do this fall, <laughs> it'll get crazy. And so you're literally making preeminent decisions, premeditated decisions around what to say yes to, what's prioritized right now so that you can be where your feet are planted. So I'm glad that you made that distinction because there's a very, very big difference between time management and task management. Oh, for sure. And and just so you understand, my Monday through today of this week, Monday I drove to DC. I'm in North Carolina. We saw pink. We drove home on Tuesday. Last night we went to see Lyle Lovett in Durham. And then I'm and home today. And then tomorrow we leave <laughs> for a week. <laughs> so if I went through my schedule, which I do and exhaust people, just it exhausts me. My fall is our largest festivals. We did we've already done five festivals. We have wow. five left. So wow. it's a lot, but this is my activism. Yes. Which is sounds your coaching is your activism. You are literally taking people. And saying, here's how do you go and help save people's lives. That's it. And that's that's huge. Whereas at the festivals, I'm saying, hey, come and learn. And we're not really, it's not really shoving down your throat. It's a warm welcome hug of come see what this vegan thing is about. Even mm -hmm. though if you walk in and you don't know it's a vegan festival. Yeah. 
you won't know last year in Asheville, someone walked up to us and was like, is this vegan festival? I was like, yeah. And she goes, I thought so based on the shirts. <laughs> Everyone was wearing, which is adorable because you can't tell yeah. from the outside looking yeah. in. The vendors look like any vendor. It just said everything is vegan. Hey, hey yeah. that's, that's all. Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed out that this is your form of activism. Because the other thing that I think energizes us um, and allows us to keep going is the fact that we're operating out of obedience, right? And so I promote radical obedience in my community because it's important to do what you feel called to in that season of life. And so that intuitive call to do this work also energizes you. There's nothing more draining than doing something you hate this for 40 hours a week. I mean, if you want to be tired all the time, just do something you can't stand. Um, and so like one minute or 40 hours, it's exhausting. But when you're doing something you love, you could do it for 70 hours. It's like, it's, it's harder to turn it off than it is to turn it on. And that's the problem we want. So this work is just like, I could coach till forever. Like, I love it. I love helping our coaches become coaches. I love speaking to audiences and teaching them the efficacy of taking a plant-based approach to optimal health. Like I've mastered what I do and now I get up every day to do it. And I know I'm blessed to be able to say that, but I don't think living out your assignment should be a privilege. And I reach, I wish more of us would surrender to our calling. Yes. People do suffer through life and we have one life to live. That's one. So to suffer through it. I mean, I, then I'm speaking from a place of privilege, right? But I didn't, this didn't fall in my lap. Mm. This is, almost 10 years of blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Some days just cursing and saying, you do it, yeah. you know? So it's not easy. We both work with the public. Yes. I mean, and you, you might be working with vegans, I'm guessing. They're not oh, easy. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> they're the hardest part. <laughs> oh, yeah. Humans are the hardest part. Humans are dynamic AF, okay? So it's like... <laughs> Yo, right. So and so that's what I love about my community, too, that I feel like I've done a good job at realizing is that no matter what the curriculum says, no matter what the agenda says, no matter what, you know, the application page says, you're dealing with humans who are extremely dynamic, who are emotional beings, and you have to honor that. So creating space and holding space for the human side of the person versus being like, I hear you, what you're saying, but I got to get back to the agenda because I got 10 more slides left in this presentation. Like, no, that stops if we need it, if we need to hold space for humans, right? Yes. And I think that's what our community loves. And I think that's what I've done a good job of doing both personally and professionally is holding space for humans to be human. But you're right. Like when you're, when you're in the people business and I can only imagine how many people you deal with with vendors and attendees and staff and volunteers, I imagine it's insane. And so if you've mastered the art of personally feeling feelings, meaning you have a high EQ, emotional intelligence, but then you've also mastered the art of holding space for that in other people, it becomes so much more easy. It's constant personal development work, making sure you yourself are in check with your EQ and then recognize, being able to quickly recognize when someone else is not and, you know, giving grace for that. Yes, I've needed people to give me grace. <laughs> Because I've been a raving lunatic at the festival sometimes. It's a highly stressful situation. And I've had, I mean, I've given a lot of apologies because I've had to learn how to balance what I'm doing 
you'll get this. No one is as passionate about what we do than we are. That's right. It doesn't matter how close you are. It doesn't matter if a partner's involved. It just doesn't matter. Nobody cares as much as we do. And they should. And because of that, they don't understand the pressure we put on our shoulders <laughs> because it's so important that this works. Yeah. I mean, this is saving the planet. Yeah. I know you're health focused, but I've skipped over health at this point to saving the planet. Oh, yeah. Because without this change, the children that are alive today may not have a planet to live on. We may not live out this planet. As a fact. And that's incredibly scary. So the best way to do that is to take on a vegan diet, a whole food plant-based diet. You just, just stop eating animals is basically it. Yeah. So stop eating animals and it'll be better for your health <laughs> and it'll be better for the animals and it'll save the planet, which right. is everyone's like around here going, what do we do? Climate change. Cause it's outside our windows everywhere on the planet. Now it's outside our windows. You can't walk outside and not be like, Oh, Maui's burning up. <laughs> Maui's burning up. And there was a hurricane. <laughs> I was like, I mean, granted this stuff has happened for existence of people on the planet. However, sure. it hasn't all happened together. Yeah. All over the planet. That's a fact. So what you're doing helps. And it's not in a judgy, pushy way. Mm -hmm. So you and I are very similar in our approach to trying to change people's habits mm -hmm. is we, when it's live by example mm -hmm. and you're teaching people to teach and live and learn by example. That's right. And then people are always going to hopefully go to the doctor and sadly get those diagnoses that say, well, maybe I should look up what I should do about cancer, diabetes, heart disease, strokes. And guess what? A whole food plant-based diet. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting enough. I sadly I have friends that six their six-year-old is at in Memphis at St. Jude because mm -hmm. of brain cancer. And I'm following along, donated, you know, I'm the carrying bridge type thing. And I'm watching what they're feeding him. Mm -hmm. They put everything together about a week and a half ago. And I got the call last night. Mm. Where do we buy the food? Yeah. Where can I find vegan burgers? I was like, look, I was like cringing every time I saw what you're feeding him, mm. you know? But they said the hospital said calories are calories. I was like, <laughs> cancer feeds off of sugar. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Fried food. <laughs> I mean, not granted six. I mean, you want food in their bodies because going yeah. to chemo, they, they, they need to have something to eat. Yeah. However, a vegan chicken nugget, even though it's fried and then put in an air fryer, however you cook it, I don't care. It's not it's a still, processed meat. It's right. still better than that's right. actual chicken. Absolutely. And then, yeah, and all the data is out there that the processed meat is a type one carcinogen. So we're not talking about correlation. We're talking about causation, <laughs> you know, and so I'm so happy and good on you for, you know, being an example and being there when they were ready. But I'm so happy that they put it all together. and Now they're making a change. Yes. And thankfully they're in Memphis. So imagine vegan cafe is in Memphis too. So they, I've already asked Christy, imagine vegan actually brought them food because previously their previous trip to St. Jude, they were just living like almost like a hotel room. Whereas this trip is like seven plus months. So they have a small kitchen. It's more like an apartment. 
So the previous trip, I said, hey, Christy, can you go bring them food? And it was very cute because he said, I don't know what I'm eating, but it's good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, true Southern, like true Southern guy, like born and raised North Carolina. Absolutely adorable. Great accent. And he's he's like, it's good. So (laughs) so that was, I mean, as much as you don't want to feel like, here's my way of saying, here, eat this food. But maybe it helped them when it came time when they put the everything together to go, well, that food was good. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't intentional. Maybe it was. Maybe there was a piece of me that was just like, you know, I wasn't really thinking. Like, you don't really know how to say like, gosh, you can eat to. I say this to people at festivals all the time or people I see feeding their kids like dairy and meat and stuff. If you let me freely talk, I will say you're you're giving your children cancer and diabetes and strokes mm. and heart disease because their foundation for their future bodies is being built right now. Right now. And, you know, that didn't happen with us. <laughs> it just didn't happen because those words never came out of anyone's mouths when I was a kid. But they do now. And, yeah. and now we know how prevalent heart disease, strokes and diabetes and Cancer are in our society, in our community, in people of color's community. Yeah. So they let me speak freely. I say, you don't want to give your kids dairy. You don't want to feed that to your children. Mm -hmm. I said, you're you're responsible for their future. And if you have, I don't know, and I don't think people really think it through. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, let's have kids. Let's raise kids. Let's raise kids the way we were raised. However, we weren't raised well. And there is a responsibility, which doesn't happen with people in general, to do your research, <laughs> Google it, <laughs> and do, you know, which is, can be dangerous. Yeah, for sure. you. And you can't talk to a doctor because yeah. they don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, the doctors at St. Jude said, just feed your kid whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, as I said, you're right. I mean, we have such a long way to go. And that's why we encourage our coaches inside the plant protocol to specialize. So our coaches are not generalists, they're specialists. So we have one specialist who literally specializes in working with parents who have children ages zero to seven, because zero to seven is the most critical time in human life for setting the stage for future prognosis and disease, right? For what we eat, what we do, what we're exposed to during that that age range. And she, like, you're speaking her language, like, that is her passion. She's like, I literally went vegan because I had a newborn. I was, you know, having a baby and I did not want my baby to be overweight like I was, to be pre-diabetic like I was. And so now, as a plant-based health coach inside of the plant protocol and with her own company, she specializes in helping parents with children ages zero to seven so they can, she can change the parent and then that way it trickles down to that baby. And so you're right. It's like such a critical, pivotal time. But we do, like you said, just kind of mimic what we experience if we you know, aren't exposed to anything different. But luckily, a lot of us are being exposed through to different things through veg fest and, you know, health coaching and, and just like you said, Google and the Internet. And unfortunately, sometimes I think it brings up more question marks than like definitive changes like, well, who's right? Is this true? This study says this. This science says this. This expert says this. And so I can totally understand why it would be confusing. And when people are confused, they don't make decisions, right? Like we know that in the business world, like if you have an offer that's confusing, people are not going to buy. But it's the same thing for humans. Like when people are confused, they don't make decisions. And so how hard can we work to make this information clear, to make it evidence-based, to operate out of integrity? So I'm living what I'm asking you to do, right? right? So I'm walking proof of what I'm asking you to do. 
And I think all of those things combined can make a difference. And we all do our small part. We operate out of obedience. We show up where we feel called as opposed to letting fear make decisions for us. And then we start moving the needle. Yeah, that fear thing. (laughs) It takes people in directions that Mm. are dangerous. We're living it now that way too. Dangerous. Yes. And you kind of wonder, are they going to wake up? (laughs) are you really that easy manipulated (laughs) how do you not see it (laughs) but you know you just hope you hope that there's somebody that will say the right words and get through yep and it's the same it's the same thing for eating food is very personal very there's emotions there's you know we grew up with there's culture Mm-hmm. You know, there's that recipe that mom, grandma, and great grandma made that's been passed down. And then you suddenly people are like, you're going to go vegan. And they're like, how am I going to eat that recipe? Well, guess what? We can recognize it. <laughs> it might be better. <laughs> you know, vegan doesn't equate healthy, just so people understand. It doesn't mean that the food is healthy. That's right. It just means that you haven't sacrificed animals to eat it <laughs> and you're saving the planet by eating that. However, I think it was Dr. Kim Williams that said at a Peapod conference, the standard American diet is horrible for you, but a junk food vegan diet is just as horrible mm-hmm. for you. Yep. So as much as you love French fries and they are vegan, unless you're eating McDonald's, you can eat French fries every day. Yeah. You can go buy bags of French fries, stuff your freezer with them, put them in the air fryer or deep fry them, whatever you're going to, however you can eat them, but it's vegan. Yep. You're still going to get high cholesterol not actually you still will get high cholesterol oh yeah from all of the oil yeah even though there's no cholesterol in the oil or the food mm-hmm. you can still get high cholesterol by consuming a lot of fat a lot of fat from the oil yeah absolutely 100 percent. yeah, yeah I, th- that is definitely something that needs to be understood and demystified that you don't want to swap the standard American diet for the standard American vegan diet and it's gonna it's super important that people have that education in that understanding that there are a lot of things that are vegan that are unhealthy. So if it's for ethical reasons, the planet, planet and the animals, absolutely, you're definitely making a difference. But if it's for personal health, you do want to have a whole food plant-based diet, eating whole foods, actually eating plants, eliminating all of that fried food, processed food, junk food, sugar, oil, you know. So there are definitely levels, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of those vegan substitutes are made for meat eaters, Yes. you know, to help them slowly make the, the change and to mimic the taste of meat. But if you're someone who's already vegan, really prioritizing whole food is the way to go. I agree. And that's, I call vegan, the food at the veg fest is not healthy, <laughs> but it, the food is the gateway drug to veganism. <laughs> I mean, vegan food, that's, I mean, if I can put a piece of fried chicken in front of you and it's vegan and you eat it and you go, I have no reason to eat a chicken anymore we've done our job. And then you learn as you go, we meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. We don't put them where we think they should be. Mm. And that's that's because I do the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) I absolutely don't believe in meeting people where they are. I believe in, well, just a reminder though, like my farmer table plant-based coaching program was specifically designed for people who had a chronic lifestyle disease. So it wasn't for people who were just plant curious, and but it was for people you couldn't even get in the program if you didn't have a diagnosis. 
But I don't believe in meeting people where they are. I believe in meeting their disease where it is. Right. Okay. So if you're if you're coming in the farm table, you know, and you're like diabetic, A1C off the charts, you're obese, you know, you have this food addiction. I don't believe in telling you, you know, just moderate your junk. Right? Just eat smaller amounts of the stuff that got you here. So I believe in pulling people's level of consciousness up and um, demanding excellence. And so but I do understand the meeting people where they are ideology. And there is a place for that. Matter of fact, I, we prefer that someone has went to a few veg fest and maybe even went through somebody else's 21 day vegan jumpstart program. Like, cause by the time you get to us, we're aggressive because we're not helping you. We're helping your heart, your kidneys, your, you know what I mean? Like your brain. Like if you're coming in already with memory loss and both of your parents had Alzheimer's. I'm not, I just can't in good conscience give you permission to eat a cookie or a dessert just because it's vegan when we know sugar, you know, Alzheimer's is type three diabetes. So like, it's just, it's a, it was just an integrity thing for me. So our motto is we don't meet people where they are. We meet your disease where it is, but people knew that coming in, like, this is not your just, I'm curious. I want to see what it's like. Just go to a veg fest, do a free 21 day jumpstart, go download a PDF, get exposed to it that way. But when you come over here, this is treatment. This is not curiosity because too many Black people are dying from heart disease and diabetes and obesity prematurely. And so we have, we take the approach where, but like how aggressive America is with cancer. Like if anybody gets diagnosed with cancer, they're just like, take everything out. What does the doctor say? Do don't miss a treatment. Don't miss a regimen. Like that's how we are with diabetes and heart disease and high blood pressure over here. Because I don't understand why Heart disease is the number one cause of death. But when you have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, which are the precursors to heart disease, you're not as aggressive as if it was a cancer diagnosis. I just can't wrap my brain around the lack of urgency when it comes to having high blood pressure, high cholesterol, when those are the top causes of death. And so we apply that lack of urgency when you fail to do so. And a very important point there is that women are more prone to heart attacks than men. Yes, Yes, they are. So that's, (laughs) <laughs> but men are our top cause of reason. We <laughs> well, it's because the science yeah. doesn't pay attention to women have more heart attacks than men. Mm-hmm. So I was a, an educator in the classroom mm-hmm. for whatever the place I can't remember the name, but I was in the classroom and one of the pieces was health. I was the health animals planet, and I would say to the students, I would say what do you think of when you think of someone having a heart attack, clutching the chest, grabbing the arm, you know, falling over? Well, that's not necessarily the symptoms of a heart attack. And that's not necessarily the symptoms of a widowmaker heart mm-hmm. attack, which impacts women more than impacts men. Yep. And that's, I tell them, I read like a little article about a woman who is in bed and with her husband and she was like, I don't feel well. And he was like, what's going on? She said, I feel nauseous. Have you ever throw up? I just, I just don't feel well. And he was like, we should go to the ER. And she was like, no, just stomach virus. It'll pass. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, we're going to go to the ER. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm a Widowmaker. Saved, saved her life. Mm-hmm. So it's important to understand, and that's our society doesn't have this. Yeah. Because we don't prioritize women in medicine, women's health yes. to understand how to fix problems. It's taken from a male focus mm-hmm. and women don't always have those problems. 
So obviously that woman didn't know she was having a heart attack. Yep. And that happened to, was it Rosie O'Donnell? Oh, really? I hadn't heard of that. It was a while ago. Okay. Rosie O'Donnell, right? I think it was Rosie O'Donnell who also had a widowmaker. Okay. Wow. It was one of those women that's like that. So I'm I'm pretty sure I'd have to look it up, but I'm stretching my brain because it's been a number of years. But again, didn't know because it comes as symptoms that are very similar to stomach virus. I mean, you'll be dead in the morning, but nobody teaches that. Yeah. That's why I found it was very important. It wasn't part of the curriculum that I was teaching. However, I threw that in because I was, I was in a classroom of a lot of girls, teenage girls is be like, and to say to the boys, you need to know this too. Mm-hmm. Because if you love a woman, then you need to understand how their health can be impacted and what these things look like. Mm-hmm. So just like, I know way too many women with breast cancer right now. So if you're watching this and you love a woman or you are female, you need to get a mammogram and sonograms. You need to do your tests. And seven of those women are vegan. Yep. So... Vegan doesn't stop disease. Nope. It mitigates. Yep. Genetics play a factor. Yep. But most of us uh, ate dairy and meat and stuff at some points in our lives. Yeah. And I think also it's important to note that diet only is only one facet of health. And so if you're chronically stressed, if you're doing something you hate for a living, if you are in an unhealthy relationship, you know, the number one indicator of longevity and, and health is actually, you know, social connections, your intimate relationship with other humans. So you can be the perfect plant-based vegan and have jacked up relationships, don't have purpose or uh, fulfillment in your life, you know, don't exercise, you know, smoke, drink, you know, you're managing chronic stress instead of eliminating it. I don't know why we manage something that's reversible. <laughs> so it's important to note that too, like being the perfect vegan health doesn't start and end in the kitchen. You know, your diet is not a panacea. And so you can have all these other things going on, right? Just like somebody who eats meat could outlive you if they have, you know, a lot of those boxes checked. And so you're 100% right. There's absolutely no guarantee. There's nothing we can do that's going to make us immune. However, there is a difference between possibility and probability. And I do believe a whole food plant-based vegan diet significantly lowers your probability of suffering from a lot of these conditions. But is it possible 100%? Yeah, that's the scary part. Because one of the friends that was diagnosed brought up those words, but I'm vegan. And I was like, no. <laughs> and, and they are healthy. And they are have they do check a lot of the boxes of mitigating and, and probably not getting this. However, mom had breast cancer. So her risk was higher. Yep. And this is the piece. I go for mammogram at the end of the month. So it just scares me because <laughs> I just know too many at this point the mammogram didn't detect it. Mm. It was the sonograms that you would do sonogram six months, mammogram the next six months. Mm. It was the sonogram that detected it. Barely. Wow. Same day, the mammogram didn't show it. Wow. Again, what all women that have dense tissue in their breast should be getting sonograms and not just a mammogram done. How do we (laughs) advocate? And I'm very pro like, advocate and I put out there, you know, stuff that's gone on personally with me. And like, we thankfully speak, a lot of these women speak up to say, here's my experience. Please, please do. Don't be me or do or be me and get these things done because I was doing the right thing. And I came out with such and such. But I mean, 
it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to get through to a community. It's hard to get through to people because there's always that it wouldn't, it won't be me. Yeah. Yeah. Until it's you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Your program, Mm -hmm. is it only for people of color? Oh, no, 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 no. We actually just enrolled a white woman like last, this month, actually. Um, No, it's not only for people of color, but one of our preferred qualifiers is that you intend to serve a marginalized community. So whether that be a community of color or LBGTQ community, some, you know, a community that doesn't typically have as much access to this information and this lifestyle, because, you know, being vegan is still looked at as elitist in a lot of sectors in our society. And so do you have to be a person of color or black to enroll in the plant protocol? No, absolutely not. But we, we definitely invite people who serve a marginalized community because we do prioritize that in our curriculum. And then, so somebody watches this and they're like, that's me. I have to do this. Or they didn't know. And then they watch this and they go, I got to do this. (laughs) How do they do it? (laughs) Very simple. So you simply fill out the application. So the website is lisaangelsmith.com forward slash the plant protocol. So lisaangelsmith.com forward slash the plant protocol. And you complete the application and you apply and we review your application. And if you're qualified to move on to the next step, then we invite you to a suitability interview. So it is like a five-step application process to get into the plant protocol. We do not enroll year-round. So you can fill out your application and then we have certain enrollment periods. So it is a very exclusive program because I want to make sure that everybody that comes in is living the lifestyle, has already been sold on the efficacy of this lifestyle. So we're not trying to turn you vegan. So the first qualifier is that if you are not plant-based vegan, then you are not qualified for the plant protocol. Okay. So I know other certifications, you know, they don't require you to be living the lifestyle to get certified. We do. Um, And so that is the first qualification. And so thank you for putting that website up, lisaangelsmith.com forward slash the plant protocol. You fill out the application and then we'll let you know if you made it to step two. That's awesome. I also saw, it's off topic, but you went live with, or you did a podcast with Howard Jacobson? No. Who was Hera Jacobson? I don't think so. Was it Howard? I thought I saw it on your site. Plant Yourself. Maybe not. He's a health coach. Yeah, I did do Plant Yourself. It's on my website. You're right. I did. Okay, good. I I didn't know his name, but yes, I did his podcast for sure. It was a good interview. He had some good questions. That's Howard Jacobson. He's awesome. They moved to Spain. They sold their house here in North Carolina and moved to Spain. Oh, man. Getting out of America. I love it. Thought about It's, it's definitely been on the radar. <laughs> so, well, Lisa, this is amazing. Oh, like absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing all about you, the plant protocol, yeah. and for doing what you do because it's incredibly important. Yeah. And you're changing lives on both sides. You know, like you've got little sprouts. Each of your coaches are sprouts. And as they grow, is a seed and they grow into their plants, their plants. It's like almost like it's pollination because they, they pollinate other people. And then those seeds get to hopefully take sprout, which is pretty awesome. Yes. Thank you for the visual. I can't wait to go back and tell them they're all little sprouts. Oh gosh, (laughs) It's my pleasure. (laughs) Thank you for the compliment. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and this was thrown together quite quickly. So And that's, I'm so glad it did. And thank you for 
being willing to help with promoting Georgia Veg Fest. And I'm happy to help you with everything you do and everything because it's important. Thank you. Likewise and safe travels tomorrow. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. I will close out the show. Thank you for joining Virtual Veg Fest Live once again. We really appreciate you being here. And you can go to virtualvegfestlive.com, enter a contest to win prize packs from our 12 sponsors. And of course, thank you to VKind for sponsoring this month's live talks. Remember, tomorrow you have Face Yoga with Tiffany at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Check it out. You can do from anywhere. You'd be amazed at how important that is to do something as simple as face yoga, especially to de-stress. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. You tuned in today because like me, you're a disruptor. You're passionate about health and you have firsthand experience of taking a whole food plant-based approach to combating chronic health challenges. You want to see lifestyle and dietary modifications become the norm in the way in which we practice healthcare. However, you need mastery around nutrition and lifestyle science, a better understanding of behavior change to improve client compliance, and confidence in your ability to effectively coach clients to adopting those lifestyle modifications. You need the plant protocol. Visit theplantprotocol.com to apply and let's work together to improve the way in which we care for our most prized possession, our health. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. Until next time, remember, radical obedience is still undefeated. Stay obedient.